Welcome to the Holistic Living Hub podcast. I'm your host, Laura. I'm a naturopath and founder of the Holistic Living Hub. I'm here to remind you that blooming into the most happy, healthy, high vibe version of yourself is the most important work you can do. Each week, I'll be filling your mind with gems of wisdom, sweet little reminders, and all things holistic living to help you come back home to yourself and start living your best life. Plus, I'm not afraid to have some unconventional conversations and challenge the mainstream narrative to help awaken you to new ways of thinking and being. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to episode six. So today I want to chat about the vegan diet and my experience with this diet because I get asked about this diet a lot. A lot of people actually really assume a lot of the time that I'm just vegan. I don't know if it's because I'm a naturopath or whatnot, but I get a lot of people just ask like, aren't you vegan? Because they ask me like, what's for dinner? And I'll tell them and there's animal products in there. They're like, wait, aren't you vegan? I'm like, no, but I did used to follow a vegan diet. So I do want to share my experience with that. And I guess what I learned along the way and why I actually decided to stop being vegan because yeah, the vegan diet is getting, gaining a lot of popularity these days. And I think people have a lot of questions about it and whether it's right for them, things like that. So I do want to cover a lot in this episode about um, my experience with the vegan diet. And I guess some points for you to think about if you're planning on, I guess, engaging in that sort of way of eating. So first up, I want to chat about why I decided to become vegan. And it started with a documentary and I find that is the case for a lot of people these days. They watch a documentary and they see like the terrible things that are happening to animals. So that was my experience anyway. I remember watching it and I was so freaking disturbed about the unhealthy environments that animals were being kept in and having to be pumped full of antibiotics because they were so sick and because they were literally living in their feces, they were getting no exercise. It was just a breeding ground for bacteria. So it was really, really unhealthy. And I was just like, yuck, why would I want to eat that? That is disgusting. There was also like it was spoken about how like milk can contain pus and things like that. And I was just so grossed out, but also that I guess um, the mass transportation and slaughtering of animals in just like they're they're not like transported in small numbers they're like mass like packed into a truck like I don't know if you've ever seen it but I've been driving along the freeway once and like you see a bloody sheep's leg just hanging out of this cage truck and it's just really disturbing to see um and you smell the smell and it's really really disturbing so this mass transportation and I guess this like really disturbing sights that you can see and basically the takeaways that I got from this film was meat is bad if you eat it you're supporting animals being locked up in these disgusting and unhealthy environments and you should just stop eating it so that's exactly what I did I did it for over a year I cut out all animal products and at the start I felt really really good I because I was like introducing more plants and changing up the way I ate and experimenting with new foods and things like that so my diet changed and it diversified and I was eating more fresh foods and things like that so at the start I felt really really good but over time my health did start to decline I did start to get more frequent migraines. My iron levels did drop dramatically. And if I didn't eat every few hours, I'd feel really, really weak and irritable and moody. And I started to also experience a lot more digestive issues like gas bloating and burping. I also had a lot of trouble sleeping through the night and the sides of my mouth even started to crack and get sores. 
But also my mental health also started, like, was declining at the same time. Now, I'm not saying that the vegan diet caused all of this with any sort of, like, symptom manifestation. I know that there are always many, many contributing factors. So I'm not blaming the vegan diet for all of this, though I do believe that it wasn't fully supporting me. And it was one of the contributing factors to how I was feeling at that time. So I want to explain a few things for you because it took me a while to link and I guess figure out why these symptoms manifested and how a vegan diet could have contributed to this. So because I was obviously eating a lot like less animal proteins, which of course in itself can cause low iron, though it also can contribute to something like low stomach acid, which is hypochloridria. So this is something that is really important for the absorption of magnesium, iron, calcium, and zinc. So if your stomach acid isn't like acidic and low, like if it's too alkaline or it doesn't produce enough acid, then your absorption of these nutrients aren't going to be as great. So you could potentially become deficient. And this is actually something that I see with a lot of people who take antacids as well long term. Um, a lot of oldies, I ask them when they come in for their iron supplements or when I was working in pharmacy, they would say like, yeah, I'm, I'm low in my B12, I'm low in my iron and magnesium, things like that and they've got osteoporosis and I ask them are you taking an antacid and most often they say yes and I'm like well you actually need stomach acid to absorb those nutrients so um, maybe chat to your GP about that because these things aren't meant to be stayed on long term most of the time so yeah it is just one of those things that people don't piece together but because I potentially had lower stomach acid my magnesium absorption and my iron absorption wouldn't have been optimal so this could have led to my increased frequency of migraines my sleep issues because magnesium is really important for those two things and the low iron levels which would have been making me feel a lot more sleep and things like that even though I was eating plant-based foods that were high in these nutrients. My body may have not been fully absorbing them because of my stomach acid imbalance. And your stomach acid also can affect your digestive experience. So that could have been contributing to my gas and bloating and burping because the food could have been just sitting in my stomach a lot longer and fermenting and causing gas because you need stomach acid to help the digestive process. And it honestly took me a really long time to fix this imbalance way after I reintroduced meat and everything like that because a lot of like GPs and practitioners they don't talk about low stomach acid it's something that's really really overlooked so it did take me a long time to rebuild and figure out how exactly to do that because not many people talk about it at all and that's why I talk about it in my digestion reset program and take you through like it's one of the core phases of like rebuilding that digestive fire and things like that people are missing that step so it's essential and i also just want to add this is why a lot of people who come off a vegan diet and start reintroducing meat they think that meat just doesn't agree with them anymore that it's bad for them it's just upsetting their tummy it could just be that they have low stomach acid so they need to rebuild that digestive fire rebuild the digestive strength which can take a bit of work but it's doable i did it then you can tolerate proteins because you're fully able to digest them and process them so the solution is not just to avoid it because that's not the core issue it's because of your low stomach acid most likely so that's a really key piece and is why i guide people through that and stomach acid isn't just important for digestion, it's also really important for preventing infections because having an acidic stomach is actually necessary because it helps kill off 
unwanted and potentially harmful like viruses, fungi, bacteria and parasites from taking over your system because when your stomach acid is not acidic, it's too alkaline, then it gives an environment for them to take over. This is why I see a lot of people who have been following a vegan diet for a long term, they can be more susceptible to parasitic infections, but also to candida overgrowth. I see that a lot. And that can also be because the higher carbohydrate intake, which is like basically that gets broken down into sugars, which feeds the unwanted bacteria and unwanted fungi. So it's food for that. So it can overgrow very easily. And this isn't to say that only vegans can have this issue. A lot of people can have stomach acid issues in general, just from having poor eating habits and lifestyle factors. So it's not just people who are following a vegan diet who are susceptible to this. Other people can have this going on too, for other reasons. Now, when it came to my cravings and tiredness, that was likely because my diet was mainly based on carbohydrates. Yes, I was getting plant-based proteins and plant-based fats and things like that. Though in comparison, my carbohydrate intake was a lot higher, which can actually make your blood sugar levels go on a bit of a roller coaster. So after I ate, like two, like I'd be fine for two hours. And then after that, I was just like, oh, I need food. Like I'd literally lose my mind and get so irritable and cranky, like literally hangry as, and I just constantly needed to snack and eat to sustain my energy levels and sustain, sustain my mood. So, um, yeah, that higher carbohydrate without the adequate like fats and protein balance, it just was not serving my body. Some people thrive off that, but I literally had to constantly eat and snack to sustain myself, which wasn't great or ideal. And another thing that could have been contributing to my symptom manifestation of all like this mood issues and things like that was because my diet was likely very low in omega-3s. And this is because omega-3s are mostly found in seafoods. Yes, there are plant-based sources of omega-3s, but your body actually has to convert them into the active components of EPA and DHA from the ALA version. So there are plant-based omega-3s and they're classified as ALA. And then your body actually, once you eat them, it has to convert it into EPA and DHA, which the EPA part of it is really good for like anti-inflammatory effects and things like that. And the DHA is amazing for brain and mood and mental health and like brain energy. So everyone's conversion rate is different. You actually don't know how much you're actually getting. So even if you're eating flax seeds and walnuts, which are plant-based omega-3 sources, you don't know how much your body is getting. So it's very likely that a lot of people following this sort of eating plan that they can be very low in omega-3s, which isn't ideal because you want omega-3s in your diet. They are so vital for health. And even people following a normal diet without avoiding animal products, a lot of people still don't eat enough seafood. So it's something that I'm seeing beyond the vegan community, it's actually like the standard Australian diet. Not many people love their seafood. So it is something like that as well. Nowadays, there are actually vegan like algae supplements. So because how we get it from seafood, the sea, like fishes, they eat algae and their bodies actually convert it automatically into EPA and DHA. So when we eat the seafood, we get it in its already transformed active components. So but yeah, they are these days. There is algae oil, which can be really beneficial if you are following a plant-based vegan diet. Though when I was following this sort of diet, 
there wasn't a lot of that stuff around. So um, it's something to consider if you are following that route. And lastly, I could have also been lacking certain vitamin Bs and amino acids, which could have been contributing to my the cracks on the sides of my mouth and my sleep and energy issues, as well as poor mental health. Like all of these things are so related. Now, in saying all of this, this isn't to say that like eating a vegan diet is terrible for your health. I feel it can be so, so good and a beneficial template to follow for a short period of time because it helps people diversify their diet and brings really good awareness into like factory farming industry because I definitely don't agree with conventional agriculture practices, what they're doing to the animals, feeding them an unnatural diet of corn, wheat and soy and keeping them contained in like these filthy, disgusting environments with no room to move and they're not getting any daylight. So they're unfit. They're like obese cows and things like that and obese animals, which of course, when you eat that, that is not healthy for anyone to eat. I totally agree with that. And like physically and energetically, um, when you're eating something sick, that's obviously not going to be good for you. Quality does matter. And it's something to this day I still definitely don't support. And I also agree that there's a massive overconsumption of meat products and animal products. And a lot of people aren't getting enough plants, which of course is going to create an imbalance in health. But in reality, veganism is still a very new diet. Evolutionarily, humans ate animals. We ate fish, we ate insects, game for hundreds of thousands of years. Not necessarily all the time, but when it was available, we did. And it was a very cyclical thing depending on the season and availability. So I feel it would literally take us hundreds of thousands of years to fully adapt to a plant-based way of eating. And even then, I still don't believe that would be as strong and robust as the traditional hunter and gatherers. That's just my opinion. And I feel it's also important to note that consuming animal products would have actually kept our ancestors alive, especially when it was wintertime, when like plants weren't growing, there wasn't an abundance of food. Killing an animal would have helped them survive the winter. So it's part of evolution and it's what kept us alive. And because naturally eating like sort of, I guess, more plants through summer and then more meat, meat during winter, it was a very cyclical thing. And I think this is why a lot of people feel really, really good following a vegan diet initially because they're tapping back into that cyclical way of eating. They're changing up their eating patterns and they're often consuming more plants, which of course is amazing. So I feel a lot of people can go vegan for a week, a month, three months, or up to six months and feel usually like pretty epic as taking a break from anything, especially if it's being overconsumed, that's usually going to do a lot of people pretty good. Though once people take this way of eating strictly long-term is where I see a lot of people run into problems, which was the case for me and so many other people I know. This is why many people can last a year. Some can last five and a really small percentage can last maybe 10. But I don't personally know many people who are thriving past the 10 year mark who are strictly vegan. And yes, I know, of course, there's going to be someone out there who's doing it and is thriving. I know um, I'm pretty sure David Wolf is vegan and he does really amazing. Some people 
they may have adapted. Their their bodies might be really amazing at converting certain things, um, but most of us aren't fully adapted to eat this way, in my belief, for the long term. But I just want to add also, I know a lot of people who identify as vegan publicly, but have admitted to me that they sometimes eat fish and eggs and dairy and things like that. So publicly, like a lot of influencers, they, they create a whole brand around veganism, but they eat meat in secret because they're too scared of the blame and shame and I guess guilt that could be associated that they get from their community for breaking that way of eating or whatever it may be because I know it can be a really like all in or all out I understand how I guess intimidating it can be to come out that you're eating like a little bit of meat here and there when your body intuitively feels like it or you need a bit of a top up. A lot of people end up doing it in secret, which I feel isn't healthy for anyone because one, they're lying to themselves and their community and they're putting out this image that this way of eating is totally epic and you can feel epic all the time strictly following it. So a lot of people put that pressure on themselves that they have to follow it 100% even when certain influencers aren't actually 100% in on it. They allow themselves to medicinally consume bone broth or a bit of meat, a bit of fish, eggs, things like that. And I'm not saying this to shame anyone as I know how intimidating this can be like because for so long I actually felt really intimidated when I I guess came off this way of eating. I didn't even want to post meat meals on my Instagram feed or or stories or anything like that. I was too scared of the I guess um, the potential attack that I could receive from the vegan community. Um, or I didn't want to offend anyone with my meat consumption. So um, I fully understand that it can be really intimidating because this way of eating is usually an all-in or all-out thing. And another quick thing I just want to sneak in here is that I don't know a lot of families, like generationally, who have followed a vegan diet, which means it is still so new, like this diet. We haven't seen the generational repercussions or benefits, like who knows? Um, like some family lines might do amazing going more like plant-based, but it's not going to be the case for everyone. Everybody is different. That's the thing. And everybody's body is changing seasonally every year. What works for you one year may not be what's best for you the next. It's like, there's this massive intuitive piece that needs to be tied into everything because yeah, what serves you now may not serve you in five years time. So I feel this diet overall is still very much an experiment. We don't know generationally how this is going to manifest and I guess affect the next generation and the next generation and the next generation because it's still so new. Now I know there are groups of people who do start following a strict vegan diet because they care so deeply about animal welfare, which is such a beautiful and honorable thing. That's absolutely amazing. And I want to say that I totally agree that I don't uh, support or think that this conventional way of farming animals and keeping animals contained is a thing. Like I don't want to eat that meat either and I don't. But what I also think a lot of people aren't aware of or, or well, I wasn't aware of it when I was following this sort of diet that the animals, are, like a massive amount of animals are still being killed to provide fruit and vegetables and that more life actually is sacrificed in the production of fruit and vegetables compared to what's sacrificed for meat production. So let me explain. Farmers actually kill 
foxes, deer, kangaroo, mice, birds, insects, and countless wild animals and reptiles to provide fruit and vegetables and grains and legumes and all of that sort of stuff. And it's done by killing them directly to protect the crop from damage. But this also happens as a result of habitat loss. And that's due to like the clearing of land for farmland. And just a quick side note, many vegans aren't aware how damaging soy plantations are to like so many rainforests and like think the Brazilian rainforest is being absolutely destroyed and cleared for soy plantations. So orangutans are losing their habitat to make room for soy plantations to feed us and also to feed conventional raised cattle, things like that as well. So that's another reason not to support that this conventional way of farming because they're being fed that instead of their natural diet of grass. And another thing that I actually didn't realize when I was vegan was that blood and bone of animals, fish and insects are actually used to create fertile soil to grow plants. And without this, like the vegetables and fruit just won't grow. So what I guess I'm trying to point out here is that there is always going to be a life and death cycle. And we must remember this. And now I just want to move on and speak to about the environmental impacts because I know also there's a huge number of people who choose a vegan diet because they want to protect the environment because conventional agriculture is creating extreme greenhouse gases. I'm not arguing with that. This way of raising animals is creating a negative impact, not only to the environment, but also to the people who are eating that food. Because like if you're eating inflamed sick animal byproducts, like that's, that's of course going to be detrimental to one's health because animals aren't meant to be caged and fed an artificial diet of corn, wheat and soy. And this is why I'm such a supporter of grass-fed, wild, cage-free, organic animal products and a massive fan of permaculture. Because in permaculture, which is basically just regenerative farming of plants and animals, so it's making the whole system work together in symbiotic like relationship. It's really, really beautiful. And this actually has a positive effect on the environment. It actually regenerates the environment, regenerates the soil. Um, it actually brings more life, brings more diversity. So I find it really, really, I guess, unfortunate that a lot of people aren't told this. I guess like the solution that I was sold was stop eating meat. I wasn't like fully aware that I could still support the environment and animal welfare by choosing to support organic grass-fed, small-scale, sustainable farming, which is what I choose to do now. And just jumping back for a second, I did also like going back to environmental impacts. As I touched on, soy plantations are causing massive environmental problems along with wheat and corn because they're such a staple in the vegan diet. They are monocrops at the end of the day and they're really affecting the health of the soil and really eradicating diversity. They are some of the most harmful crops to the environment and future generations because it's just destroying topsoil. We're not meant to plant acres and acres of wheat or corn or soy, whereas permaculture actually helps build the soil and increase diversity. All right, so I wanna move on to the question of, are humans actually meant to eat meat? Because I often hear this debate in the vegan community as to whether humans are actually designed to eat meat because some argue that our teeth structure isn't sharp enough to rip through animal flesh like a tigers and things like that and we don't have claws to like capture animals though us humans we don't actually need this as we have thumbs we're able to build tools and we have the ability to hunt so we don't have to rely on our teeth and our claws like carnivores do we are omnivores 
And another common example I hear a lot is that gorillas are so incredibly strong and powerful animals that, and they just eat plants. So if they can do it, we can too. Though the difference is, is that they have a much larger and overall longer digestive tract, which allows them to digest things like cellulose. And they can actually create some of the like essential nutrients, which we aren't able to create. So we actually rely on food for these things. We have to get it through diet where their digestive tracts are so much longer and bigger and they're digesting certain things that help them create certain nutrients. We don't have the ability to do that. And plus they have to graze most of the day. They're constantly eating. And a really cool thing that I found out um, after coming off the vegan diet and introducing more animal-based foods back into my routine was that in anthropology, so which is basically the scientific study around like humanity, like human behavior, biology and societies, like ancient societies and things like that, and the evolution of the human species. They actually linked, due to our ability to cook food with fire and eating nutrient-dense meat, so just a side note, meat is actually a lot more nutrient-dense in a lot more like variety of nutrients than plant-based foods. I was so surprised about this, um, so, so surprised, like my mind was blown. Plants are, of course, necessary, but um, meat is very nutrient dense and the cooking process actually helped us extract more nutrition. So this combination of eating meat and cooking the meat and cooking our food in general actually allowed our stomachs to shrink and our brains to grow, apparently. So I found that really freaking fascinating. And I just want to add, traditionally, humans wouldn't have been able to follow a vegan diet because in reality, the vegan movement, it's it's reliant on factory processed like vitamins and things like that. A lot of people need to take a B12, iron or zinc supplement and even like plant-based alternative meats and things like that, like soy, which is highly processed just to sustain themselves. And without this, a vegan diet isn't usually that possible or sustainable long-term, a strict vegan diet. Some people who go off and on vegan diet, they may not need the supplements, but Anyone following this diet strictly long-term, more often than not need to at least supplement with vitamin B12 because that deficiency doesn't happen initially. That happens like five years down the track, 10 years down the track. It's something that our body holds onto quite well and it depletes slowly over time. And once it becomes really depleted, it can cause irreversible damage. So if our bodies aren't able to, I guess, survive off not eating animals and relying on a supplement, an artificial synthetic supplement made in a lab, how is this a sustainable diet for humans? I just like to ask that question now because it's not something that I thought about initially when I was following this sort of diet. And this is why I feel the like a vegan diet is a Western and often privileged diet because often third world countries or people who don't have the financial backing and things like that or access to supplementation, often it's not a sustainable diet for them. And now just before you say it, I know there's a lot of vegan restaurants in somewhere like Bali, for example, but a lot of the locals aren't eating there. Very, very few percentage of locals are actually vegan. They eat animals. And I guess another thing that I think of now more so than before is I guess just the the factory made processed meat alternatives that are, I guess, making their way onto the shelves nowadays. I don't see that as food. It's a food product. Yes, it's edible, but 
it's not close to nature. It's it's not something that nature has fully provided or is possible <laughs> to do naturally. So I guess there's so many meat alternatives and fake meats coming out that um, are filled with so much process and artificial things that it's not part of a human diet. It's, it's not a natural food. So that's something that I just wanted to slip in there. Now, I just want to chat about some studies. So I am well aware that there are all sorts of studies that say all sorts of things about diet, but also medications, all sorts of things. And I guess what I want to say about this is that a lot of studies, you can find an opposite. So you can find a study that says a vegan diet is good. You can also find a study to say vegan diet isn't good. You can find the same for eating meat is bad and it causes heart disease. And then you can also find studies that actually say, no, that isn't true. Meat isn't causing high cholesterol and things like that. So I feel like with enough financial backing, and I guess if you run a study enough times, you can get it to prove what you want in some cases, because at the end of the day, there's a study supporting both sides. So I'm fully aware that there are science supporting both sides of the fence. Not going to argue with that. But I guess my argument is, is that is there studies done on long-term vegan diets? Like I'm talking generationally, I'm talking over the 12-year mark, 15-year mark, things like that. Because I I totally agree. You're going to see benefit of people going more plant-based and eating more plants and vegetables and fruit than if they were just eating a standard sort of like processed food, not eating many vegetables type diet and overeating meat. Of course, they're going to see benefit in the short term. I think a short term plant-based diet, anyone could benefit from that really. I did it when I went to on my yoga training. They wanted us to all follow a plant-based diet because that's part of the yoga community often. It's encouraged to eat a plant-based diet. So I did it for a month and I felt fine, but I did find my cravings and my need to eat more carbohydrate-rich foods constantly to keep me sustained that came back up. So I noticed that, but I think a month of a vegan diet just for a little bit of a change up can be beneficial. It's something that I do more so in the hotter climate though, or in summer. So that's what I think about studies. So um, yeah, I just want to see a more long-term vegan diet. And I guess the results of that before any, I guess, conclusion is made about the diet. Now, when it comes to a meat sort of diet, because I know there's plenty of studies out there saying that meat's bad for you, but I feel in these studies, when I've read them, I don't think the controls have been set properly as it's not known whether these meat eating participants have a really truly healthy lifestyle and what quality of meat they were eating and things like that. So questions I want to know is, is that were they eating organic grass-fed uncaged animal products or were they eating the conventional animal products that were kept in filthy feedlots had no room to move and they were fed an unnatural diet also I'd want to know were they eating more meat than they were vegetables so were they over consuming meat or were they eating it with a whole bunch of breads and pastas and processed food products were they washing their food down with a can of fizz how were they cooking their meat what oil did they use to cook it with what was their lifestyle overall like? Did they smoke or drink excessively? Did they get enough exercise, sleep and sunlight? All things like that. I'd want to know because often when you enroll participants into a study like a plant-based vegan study, usually people who are following a plant-based diet are more health conscious. They're going to have more healthier lifestyle habits Though when you're just getting the general population who eat meat and you're enrolling them into a study and you don't know about their other lifestyle habits, like are they smoking? Are they drinking enough water? Are they over consuming meat? Are they eating a lot of processed meats? 
all of that, that makes a huge difference. So I think these are really important questions to ask and I feel like they haven't been accounted for in the current studies because I feel the outcome would be totally different if this was like, if someone studied me, for example, or Mark, I eat mostly plant-based foods. I eat a lot of plants and then I eat small portions of meat, but I don't overconsume. So there's a huge difference to myself. And then like Joe Blow down the road who has a beer with his like two steaks and then a side of fries, that is a huge difference. So I think that isn't being accounted for. So there's, there's I guess, context that needs to be given in those in these studies. All right, so just some closing words. I know there was a lot of information in there and I just want to like highlight that I don't think a vegan diet is a bad thing because I see a lot of like a lot of people feeling really good on it for a short period of time it gives them a bit of a reboot it allows them to introduce and try new foods and it gets them aware of I guess the like what the conventional farming system is doing and encourages them to make better food choices so I just want to I guess drive home that you don't have to fully opt out of meat. Just make a better choice of who you're supporting. Are you supporting sustainable, organic, grass-fed, like animals that were looked after instead of animals that were kept in filth? Because that's obviously going to make a difference in how you feel when you eat a sick animal versus a healthy, thriving animal, in my opinion. I also want to add that I know there's a lot of shaming around, I guess, eating meat or even eating eggs. I've heard people say like, Ew, I can't believe you're eating chicken, period. <laughs> Which is because eggs are like, um, it's their period, basically. And I know there's a lot of shaming around it. And like, there's no shame in listening to your body. If you feel good doing it for a month and then you choose to reintroduce small amounts of animal products and you're conscious about how you're purchasing and what you're supporting, like, there shouldn't be any shame and I know there is and I know there's no escaping it but I just want to say that you can make better choices and you can still honor life and eat meat I every time I sit down to eat a meal I bless the food I'll even like not always out loud but in my mind I'm saying thank you for the animals like thank you for this meal and I'm just blessing it and putting love into it and I'm respecting my food even plants like I love and honor all the food that's always given to me on my plate. And I just want to add shamans, they deeply honored and respected life, but they weren't vegan. They eat meat, they use animal, like their drums are made out of animal skins and they have all these feather things going on and they ate meat, but they deeply honored. And there was a whole ritual around, um, I guess, sacrificing that animal. So I guess we've lost that because it's all behind the scenes. And I think that's why a lot of people find it so disgusting is because it's out of sight, out of mind. So when we're seeing animals getting slaughtered, it's messing with us because it's, we're not seeing it. We're not growing up with it. Where people who grow up on farms, they understand that they understand the cycle of life or they grew up going hunt, like seeing their dad hunt and bring home the food. They have a very different relationship with, um, I guess, seeing dead animals and consuming it as food and it's not as intimidating to them because it's how they were brought up. But now we're seeing like animal cartoons like talking on the TV and we've got our pets and all of that sort of stuff and we're not having to do the killing. I think that's disconnecting us from that process, which I think is also leading to overconsumption because we're not seeing how much life is sacrif being sacrificed behind the scenes. So we're chucking out meat. We're not eating it. We're not, we're overconsuming it but we're also not honoring it 
and we might cook a massive barbecue and there's heaps of leftovers and then we just chuck the rest out. It's not something that happens in our household. We make sure we always finish all the meat. Um, we cook just enough for us and yet yeah, we make sure we plan it right because we respect that animal. We don't want it to go to waste, but we also are mindful not to overconsume more than what we really need. I know some people will go to Nando's and just have like a whole chicken to themselves, like half a chicken to themselves, and it's just nuts. Um, so I think that disconnection is messing with our, I guess, honoring of animals and disconnecting us from the process of like being okay with seeing that. And um, I just want to ex also point out that conventional way of doing it can be really disgusting to see but the where I get my animal products from cherry tree organics in Beaconsfield they do it in small scale they don't ship them in a cluttered container or anything like that it's in small scale so that animals aren't stressed and things like that so there are more intentional ways of doing it that was a little bit of a side tangent but I just wanted to really I guess bring home that you can honor life and still eat meat and following a, some sort of vegan template isn't the worst thing you can do. Like it is good to experiment with yourself, see how you feel on it, but don't get caught up in being too scared to break that if you're not feeling good on it and you're feeling you need a bit of animal products back in your life to sustain your health. And I guess I would caution anyone who does try a vegan diet long term as it does require a lot more intentional planning to avoid deficiency. So I understand it is doable. People are doing it. I don't know people who are doing it more than like 15, 20 years, but people are doing it on the longer term. But it like it does like you want to make sure you're getting all your nutrients, supplementing with certain things to avoid deficiency and things like that. So just keeping that in mind. So I hope this was insightful for you. I did my best to pack as much as I could into this episode. I know it's a massive topic and it's so much more than I can possibly I guess cover in one sort of episode or show so I gave it my best shot <laughs> I hope you got something out of it and it gave you a bit of clarity I'd love to hear your feedback on this episode uh, I was a bit nervous to I guess record this because I know it's got a lot of um, passion behind it a lot of people are really passionate about this movement and rightly so but I also wanted to I share my experience and my findings and what I learned through that journey and what I learned afterwards because I know it's not out there and I want to give people options and a bit of insight if you got anything out of this let me know dm me on insta or tag me in an insta story um I'd love to yeah see what you're up to and what you got out of it all right see you much love bye Thank you so, so much for tuning into this episode. It's one of my missions to keep freedom of speech and holistic wisdom alive in a time of such wild censorship. So please, if you've gotten anything out of this episode or you would like to support me and my message, please leave a magic-filled review on whatever app you're listening from and share this episode with someone you think would benefit. I'm so grateful for your support. Have a beautiful week. Big love and bye for now.